I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts... Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're getting set for the Utah season to kick off against Arizona. And we're joined by Rob Bowron from 12 Pack Radio and Sharp College Football to give us an inside look for the Arizona Wildcats. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And I hate to say it, but we got Scott. Yeah, baby, game week. Woo! Do you guys smell that? Smell? I can smell cowboy corn dogs cooking. Now, what I'm smelling is seafood, baby. <laughs> seafood. That's right. We we now have the Pac-12 as an official partner in the seafood business, guys. <laughs> They have to be the only conference with like an official seafood partner, right? Do we have they announced who the the official hemorrhoid cream is yet? <laughs> of all the things that is on Larry Scott's desk that he needs to do, like distribution, how about Direct TV? But no, well, seafood. All right, let's stay on topic here because we actually here at the Utah Man Podcast got our hands on a, some information from Larry Scott's desk. As to who was in play, obviously this was this was a, a hard fought battle because everybody every seafood company across the country wanted to be a, the official partner of the Pac-12. So first up, who did not get it was our friends over at Long John Silver's. Crispy fish fillets and more fresh cold. What well, that that says Pac-12 all over it. That would have been a good jingle to hear every time the Pac-12 network came on. But no, they were not the winners. My personal favorite, who I was, I was kind of hopeful they would be able to win um, and and get that partnership. So there was a company that we all grew up on. Yeah, I mean this this just brings back memories. Our good friends over at Vandecamps. Your kids will love the great friend. True story. If they were going to have Pac-12 Media Days this year, like in California, they were going to have all the players sing that jingle for the commercials. <laughs> that what a missed opportunity. Damn COVID. And next. They had a short commercial. <laughs> three three great companies, though, and they they all lost out to our good friends and our new official partnership of the Pac-12, Pacific Seafood. Who doesn't have a jingle? And they don't have a jingle. Of course the Pac-12 picked them. That's Larry Scott's next 
job what he's going to be doing is writing them a jingle. You had all these options of great jingles, and you picked a company that doesn't even have one. Give me a break, Larry. All right, so uh, with that news, now now football can officially start here. (laughs) Now that we have a seafood on the football on the Wasatch front up on the hill from the mountains to the east. Got chowder in the powder. (laughs) It's time for a little Utah football. I'm stoked. There's a game. Utah's playing. What two months ago? Longest off season. Two months ago, there was not going to be a season. And now we're just days away from seeing Utah. I know we're not in person. Thank you, Big Ten, for allowing us to have a season. <laughs> it was peer pressure. That's the only thing. That's the only reason we're playing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It had nothing to do with Larry Scott. But we're back. We're back. And just a few days, we get to see our Utes don the red and white again up at Rice Eccles Stadium on TV. On ESPNU. So I think the the biggest kind of mystery with this team right now is who will be the starting quarterback come Saturday afternoon. Worst secret ever. It's all over Drum social roll. media. It's Drew Lisk. <laughs> Cam According Rising. to the depth chart. <laughs> Cam Rising name is all over social media. Uh, the people that we've talked to, that's kind of the name that gets thrown around a lot. If it is Cam Rising, you guys okay with it? I love it. Absolutely love it. I I didn't have a preference one way or the other. I just obviously Shocker. want them to choose. The fence sitter. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with that. It it's Obviously, you want them to pick the guy who's going who's gonna to give him the best chance to win. I, I think... I was probably not leaning from a from a fan standpoint, but just leaning from a from an experience standpoint. Thought it might be Bentley just because of his experience and his knowledge of uh, you know of Ludwig's background with him um, and his experience in playing with the in the SAC is huge. But if if Rising's the guy who beat him out with all that experience, yeah. But Rising sat in the booth with Ludwig last year. I love that argument. <laughs> like that holds any water. Let's be honest. Maybe it helps a little bit, but it, I I can't imagine it helps all that much. No, I but, think it does because Rising's been he has a whole year under the system. Well, a he's going to be on the field. He's not going to be comfortable in the booth this year. It's a big, big difference. No, I know there. there's a big, big difference between playing and watching. But what I'm saying is he's had a whole year, almost two years now, with Ludwig in the system. I kind of think that helps give him a leg up, not saying that Bentley can't learn the system. No, no, I, I, I understand your point, but I think where this race was won, if you listen to the comments that Kyle has said throughout all fall camp, he's harped on accuracy. He said that over and over again. He he wants a quarterback, and that's nothing new to any Ute fan that uh, that knows Whittingham. He's He wants a guy who can complete the ball, eliminate turnovers, which uh, Bentley had, I mean, he's got experience and he's got some great numbers, but he also threw a lot of a lot of picks at South Carolina, and and when Whittingham has said many times that the accuracy of of rising since since he first got here has improved drastically. Then you match that with what we know about Kyle. Kyle loves a dual threat. He loves a guy who can run, who can escape the pocket, and can, can create create with his legs. 
And the only guy you're getting that with is rising out of the current three. So, I mean, I love it. I love it. Yes, does he not? He doesn't have the experience that that Bentley has. But I like the idea of having a good, experienced backup. If Rising were to get injured, if Rising struggles and is just not getting the job done, or gets COVID, or gets COVID, which yeah is very possible, mm-hmm. then then you've got you've got a backup that you can go to and 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 I think be pretty confident. And so I, I love the situation that they're in right now. So I I will mention yes, Bentley does not run the ball very well. His three years at South Carolina, he only has 143 yards rushing. Not very good for three years. And that came on one play. How long are there football fields in the SEC? But I mean, also, it means more down there. <laughs> but I also don't want to state that, that Rising is this incredible rushing quarterback. He's not as mobile from what we saw from spring a, a year ago. I think he's, he's got not, a little Zach not Wilson as, in him. Well, though. he's not as <laughs> he's not as mobile as Tyler Huntley, but I was surprised with how well he did move in and out of the pocket. I will give him that. And and I think that came from his time sitting in the booth with Ludwig. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think the difference could be this year, and what and this has come a long ways even since last season. I mean, Whittingham has said that they are ten deep on the offensive line. That's crazy because a year ago, if someone went down, they were being shuffled around to different positions. A lot of guys came in with no experience. Ten deep. So if these guys can keep the quarterback clean, that's going to be huge. It's going to be well, and, and they and they really should because the offensive line should be a strength this year. With with the pub that Kyle Whittingham has given that you just mentioned, right? As deep as these guys are. As much experience as they have, you know, I think that really should be the strength of this team. They should be able to block in the run game and provide protection. And that's what I'm really looking at is in the past, we've, we've, we've always been good run blocking, but it's the pass protection that has been an issue. I mean, but Tyler Huntley, he had the ability to escape and he needed to oftentimes with the pass protection of that offensive line. So that's where I want to see, yes, I think we're going to be good running the ball but where does this offensive line stack up in pass protection? Because I think that's going to be the key to this offense and being able to throw the ball as much as they plan to. So, Scott, you bring up the offensive line and hopefully being a strength uh, for Utah. The thing that I think is is crazy is I'm not sure what we're going to see as the starting unit right now. Because if you look at the depth chart, if you hear what Kyle Winningham has said about it, you I don't mean, believe this depth chart is accurate? <laughs> Never. I mean, obviously, guys like Nick Ford, Orlando Umana are guaranteed starters, right? And but, Simi Moala on the right right side. Good call. But, it, I mean, you look at the guard, the left guard, Brandon Brandon Daniels, Keaton Bills, Richard Freshman is challenging uh, for starter time, according to this. Jaron Kump off, his, off an LDS mission, uh, Freshman. You know, challenging for for playing time. You call it a strength of the offense. I'm not sold on it. Well, I think I'm, I think they have some good individuals. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're going to be a great collective group. Well, and and that could take time. Oh yeah, I think it could. And they're they're obviously young. Outside of Umana, who's a senior, and Nick Ford, who's a junior, the rest of them are young uh, and and somewhat inexperienced. 
uh, I guess my initial comment was more on the depth. Um, I mean, ten, he's basically Whittingham saying there's 10 guys out there that can get playing time. And that has, we haven't seen that at Utah. Well, even since they got in the Pac-12, they haven't had that kind of depth at the offensive line. It was it was the last podcast we were talking about Bam Adeli Olasini, Bam Bam Tunican, and and either being the backup at right tackle or maybe does he switch over to left tackle? Now he's the backup at right guard. And I mean, the thing that I like is Kyle Whittingham has absolutely been raving both about Keaton Bills and Jaron Kump, two freshmen that you just talked about. Both of them are are listed number two in the depth chart at left guard and at uh, right tackle. The thing that excites me is true. We've got some young freshmen who are already pushing some more experienced guys. Johnny Maia, who's not listed on here, you know, there there's guys that have some experience and have actually done pretty well that these young guys are are jumping ahead of. Now, granted, everything can change when the bullets start to fly in, in real games. Some guys are, are practice players and other guys turn it on when the lights, when the, when, when the real lights come on. So we're going to have to wait and see some of these guys who had great fall camps. Can they produce that during the regular season? And, and we may continue to see some shuffling there. But I, I'm, I'm quite in, encouraged by this. Uh, you know, right guard was a bit of a surprise to me today. Satoa, Satoa Lamea, I mean, he's a, he's a redshirt freshman. He was, he was a big-time recruit in the 2019 class, and he was a last-second flip from UCLA, had offers from all over the place. So seeing him earn that, earn that position at, uh, at right guard kind of has me excited. But I... You know, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see, just like really every position <laughs> on the team this year. There's going to be some surprises, and there's going to be some 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 growing pains for sure. But I think overall, this unit's going to be going to be a strength for the offense. So speaking of the offense, is there a position group that you guys feel the most confident in right now? The, the position group that has the least amount of questions going into Saturday's game? Tight and just like mine. I definitely agree. Tight end, it, and they got even more depth with Dalton uh, Kincaid getting ruled eligible by the NCAA. So they got three guys, three guys to, at tight end that can play significant minutes. According to Whittingham, will get significant minutes, all three of them. Yeah, and, and, and there's no secret. Ludwig loves tight ends. You saw what he did with Keithy last year. Well, there were there were scenarios last year where there were three tight ends in the game there at the were. same time. There were, and 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 they're going to continue to utilize that. Now, last year, his name escapes me. He was a transfer from SMU, kind of a fifth year senior who who got reps Tedford, last year. Tedford, Tedford, yeah, and and he, I think he only maybe had two or three catches on the season. But he he played a lot of reps and and he got in pretty consistently in the in the in the run blocking and some protections. Um, whereas now you've got three legit guys who are threats through the air and the tight end, I'm excited to see how Ludwig uses the tight ends. I think you're going to see Keithy all over the field. I, I'm, I'm really hoping Fotheringham kind of has more of a breakout year. Um, last year, you know, he, he had some good and some important catches for us, but it just, it wasn't consistently, he wasn't getting targets. I really hope that we get to see him a little bit more in the passing game because there's no doubt about it. Keithy is going to get all the attention. 
So that should free up guys like Kincaid and Fotheringham in the run, or excuse me, in the passing game, because Keithy is going to be number one on every defensive coordinator's to-do list. I mean, we saw that against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, right? I mean, they were double teaming Keithy the the entire game. Um, and so I think we'll continue to see that this year because they know what you're saying, Scott. He's going to be the focal point um, of this offense. And so not only are the, are the tight ends deep and, and have a lot of talent, but I think whoever the starting quarterback is, they're going to have weapons on the outside too with wide receivers. You bring Britton Covey back, which I think, I mean, huge for this offense, such a talented player. And Solomon Enos, I, I really think Solomon's going to have a big year. I think he's due. I think every year he has progressed. And I think this is the year where he stands out as a leading receiver uh, for this team. Well, and he needs to. I mean, last year, whenever he was targeted, he came down with the ball. He was reliable. He needs more He needs more attempts going his way. And, and I think you're going to see that. Obviously, I think Brian Thompson's going to take the next step. I think he's, I think he's our first legit NFL wide receiving prospect that we've had in quite some time. And uh, I'm excited. I if, if he can stay healthy, I think he's got the type of year where he could be a first-team all-pack 12 selection at the wideout position. Well, and kind of going back to what Cameron said to, to start this conversation, if you... If Keithy is the focal point or a focal point of the defense, these other guys are going to have one-on-one opportunities to make plays. And they're obviously, we from what we've seen, they're capable. They So they get a quarterback back there that gives them, gets some time and can get the ball in the right place. Well, that, There's a lot of potential in this offense. Well, that's the thing. And that's because... You can't double team everybody, Mm-mm. so you're gonna have Keithy's gonna gonna be one. Brian Thompson's gonna have one on one opportunities, but he's also gonna he he's the type of player he's gonna get some double teams on certain on on certain moments. Well, and you got to help over the top with Brian Thompson for sure. And then underneath you got Covey, so you got Covey running underneath. I mean, there's so many weapons. It's so exciting for you for this fan base to kind of have this this many weapons offensively. Where you've got, and we actually have a coordinator who can utilize this talent to the to the best of his ability to get all of these guys in position to be successful. I mean, you hear it all the time. All of these players, every time they bring up Ludwig, they say he's changing things. He's changing things for what fits the players. He's not saying this is an iPhone offense and you're going to run it. <laughs> He's saying, I forgot about the iPhone offense. <laughs> How did you forget all, about that? We all wish we could forget about it. I, I've got too many of these Utah offenses that are burned into my memory that I'll never forget. But he's adapting to the talent that he has and the strengths of each of these guys, and he's going to utilize them. Now, granted, are we going to are we going to lead the country offensively? No, but I think we're going to I think we're going to be in the top. I'd be disappointed if we don't finish in the top three in the in the conference this year offensively. I think that's going to be important with especially the struggles we're going to have defensively that we'll talk about in a bit. But I think I think that has to happen. You have to finish in the top three. How many how many points do you think you have to average? Maybe we can talk about this after we talk about the defense. But uh, potentially we're going to put points on the board, but. If if you're under 35 points a game, I'd be a little disappointed, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. The 35 is the benchmark. Um, not only that, but I think 
this offense can't turn the ball over. You can't give the defense short yardage, or you can't let the other team have short yardage on this inexperienced defense. Uh, and you got to burn the clock. I, I think if you can do those two things with this offense, it, it can be a very good season for well, them. And, and college football has changed. Everybody can score points now. Everybody. Even even these podunk teams that you, you've never heard of, well, they have pretty for, dynamic offenses. Except for Leach at Mississippi State. Yeah, he's struggling. But I mean, and the teams be but offense. Offense is the way the game has gone, and so you have to be able to score points. And gone are the days. Really, I mean, you even saw it last year. As good as we were defensively, you know, people can still score points. So especially this year where we've got a um I shouldn't I won't say a weak defense but we've got um a very young defense that's probably going to give up a lot more points than you fans are comfortable with we're going to have to score a lot of points offensively to offset it be like the old whack days when it's like 48 to 42 Chris, finals. Chris Fahamatu Malafala is just running up and down the sideline and McBride's losing his mind <laughs> Uh, before we jump into the defense, kind of breaking that down, I do want to call a quick timeout, let you guys know about the special promotion we're running right now with MyBookie. Uh, between the NFL and college football, there's no shortage of games to watch with thousands of lines available on your favorite sports and events. You can turn your game day into a payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real money makers. And don't forget about the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are really never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help with a head start on your winning season. And that's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Alright, shifting our attention now to the defense. Obviously, with the offense, you know, we have a lot of high praises, a lot of less question marks with them compared to the defense. The defense completely, I don't want to say rebuilding, but reloading for this year. We even just heard just before we started recording this episode that they lost another player in the transfer portal in, in Bronson Boyd. Tons, tons of youth are going to be getting reps on this defensive side of the ball, which does make me really nervous, but also really excited to see these guys that committed to Utah just a year ago that are going to getting a lot of reps. I mean, you you look across this, uh, the secondary and I mean, again, I know we talked about it last, last week, but the safety position has me concerned. You know, I'm, I'm not as concerned, believe it or not, with the cornerbacks. I think we're going to be okay there. Um, but free safety, Vontae Davis right now. Um, and, uh, Zamaya Vaughn is now his backup at safety. Say what? <laughs> Are you serious? Well, obviously that has a lot to do with uh, R.J. Hubert not being. That's a blow. To play. That, that is that's a blow. Huge. That is huge. 
I'll and the thing you. that makes me nervous, if you heard Winningham talk about it in his Monday presser, he said Hubert is even behind for where Covey was and, and to start the season and, last year. Yeah, so it makes you think we're, you're not going to see you're not going to see RJ this year, Probably especially not. with this year somewhat being a throwaway year. You're only playing seven games. If he's behind where Covey is, I don't see I don't see him ever getting on the field. Which is, I mean, this is neither here nor there, but when you think of how where he is in his recovery and then you look at Julian Blackman who's making plays all over the field in the NFL, they got hurt in the same game, right? Same game. Same logo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it uh, that that that's a definite definite concern and and I've said this before, Vontae Davis I would love nothing more to be proven wrong. I hope he has success, I, but there's definitely some concern there. So Maya Vaughn was a walk-on, now is a scholarship player. Um, but um, Well, look at strong safety. Both names are freshmen. Yeah, I mean, Nate Ritchie. But it's Ritchie Nate Ritchie. And Kamoi Latu. It, it's, it's, it's Chase the, Hansen. It's, it's the, second the second coming, coming of Chase, Chase Hansen. Hansen. Well, yeah, <laughs> but... but I think I mean you you listen to Kyle. He raves about Latu. He raves about Richie. So they're still the going to make up, mistakes. The back upside there. is I think huge for those guys, but it's going to take time to get to that upside. They're going to go through those growing pains, and with so many, it's not like you're you're bringing in one or two freshmen in the secondary. Um, you're across the board. You're young across the board. You can't hide any of no, those guys. That's what I was going to say. Well, a lot of times with with a younger player, right, you can kind of hide or make up for their errors or or their mental mistakes. But, but look what happened when, when Blackman and Huber went down last year. You got guys back there with less experience taking bad angles at at balls and ended up being touchdowns for the opponent. Well, and and now, granted, we're not going up against Oregon in uh, in the brightest of lights like that game was. But having not played and being such a long off season, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited. I do not know what to think. Uh, I don't know how Saturday. I could see us winning by three plus scores on Saturday, and I could see us sneaking one out. I mean, I really don't know how. Things are going to go. Is the offense going to be as potent in game one out of the gates as we think they're going to be? Is the defense going to be maybe as bad or is, as struggle as much as we may think? Or are both of those just thrown on the head? You know, I, I just don't know really what to think. And that's why I'm so excited is because I think we're going to see some surprises. Uh, I, I think I think across the board, it's a, it's going to be a crazy game. Not only do these, this is the first game of the season for both teams. Uh, I think it was Britton Covey talked about it in the Monday Presser. They don't have film on Arizona for this year. But Arizona doesn't have film on Utah. So there's going to be a lot of in-game adjustments um, that's going on. And so to your point, Scott, it's going to be crazy. I honestly don't know what to expect either. I mean, especially with all all the youth on this team, but everything that's gone on in, in this off season with with the pandemic and having a season and not having a season and now having a season again and having three weeks to get ready for it. There's a lot riding on on these young players' shoulders. Oh yeah. Well, and and, and we talk about Devin Lloyd. He's kind of the the star of the defense, right? 
But I think the key of this defense being successful this year, it's going to be Mika Tafua. It's going to be Max Tupai, um, Van Fillinger, Blake Keithy. It's going to be our DNs creating some pressure to help the secondary. Well, as, as young as and inexperienced as the secondary is, it's great that we had so much depth on the defensive line last year. and Some of these guys didn't start, but got a lot of playing time. I mean, we know that Tupai and and uh, Tafua got a ton of playing time last year. Um, Fillinger looks like he's going to be a stud. Uh, but Pututau and Moala got playing time last year. So th- there is advantages. I mean, inside, for sure. Yeah, inside. And so the defensive line probably is in decent shape. And, the, and you're right. They're going to play a huge part on stopping the run game and getting to the quarterback. And you know what? I actually think we're, I don't, maybe, maybe I'll be eating my words. I don't see you're going to, I don't think you're going to have a drop off from the defensive line from last year. And I know there are two defensive tackles and one defensive end who are now playing on Sundays right now from that, from that defensive line. But Utah, that is one position Utah reloads. And you, you look at this and you go, you look at the, the backup to, um, to Vianney Moela at right tackle. Mika Suga Torga. You look what at him. Said. You look at him, he, he, 260. Look at the weight discrepancy between the starter and him. It's, it's pretty big. But you know this staff is not going to play a guy who's not getting the job done. And and everything that we've heard about Mika is that he he's going to be a a star at Utah, and that's what that I so I'm really not worried about the defensive line. I think we're going to be stout in the run game, just like just like Kyle Whittingham preaches. I don't think you're going to see any. I don't think you're going to see any drop off there. And I'm my 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 one concern is just rushing the passer. What can we do? to get to the quarterback quickly to to help out this young secondary. That's going to be the key. And if Tafua can do that and and some of these young defensive ends along with Max Tupai, then I think the defense will be better than expected. You almost you almost hope that the the front four can put enough pressure on the on the quarterback so the the linebackers can drop into coverage and help out in the back because if if they're going to have if the linebackers are going to have to come back come up to help stop the run, then it leaves all of those young guys back there all by themselves. Naked. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, but you, you brought it up. You brought it up earlier, Kyle Winningham. The comments Kyle has been saying about his defense in the press this year, somewhat surprising. Absolutely somewhat surprising coming from him is a week ago, he said this defense is not game ready. That's that's huge coming from him because this is his defense. Utah football is built on Kyle Whittingham's defense. And for him to say a week out from game day, a little over a week, that they're not game ready, is that legit or is that just is that just motivational speak? I I think those are interesting points, but I I don't know what to think about this defense. I I really don't. I I mean I have all the the faith in 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 Winningham and the system he runs and and Coach Scally and Coach Shaw and what they can do to kind of build guys up. 
but you can't you can't simulate you can't have live game reps in practice as much as you want to try you just you just can't and i i know covey said that it, it might help that there's no fans in the stadium that might help the the younger guys with with their jitters and whatnot but last week in, in the press conference, Xavier Carlton was on and I and I asked him, you know, do you feel prepared going to the game? And he said, yeah, I feel prepared, but I'm nervous. And, and I'm not knocking him. That's that's totally normal. I, I think every player has a little bit of butterflies, a little bit of nerves, uh, I, especially I, before their first Division One game. Oh, for sure. You, he should be nervous. Hey, I'm not prepared and, I, and I'm a fan and I'm nervous. <laughs> well, yeah, no fans in the game, but there's still going to be... At two o'clock in the afternoon, there's a big chunk of the country that's going to be watching. Well, and and I'm just not sure how to take Kyle's comments. Is 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 he is he trying to motivate his guys, or is he just being completely honest and saying we're we're not ready, we're not where we need to be? Which, if that's the case, that is concerning. I th- I think Winningham really it, it's sending a message to his team. I don't know if he really believes that. Look at everything Kyle does. L- look at the quarterback and how silly I think this is. Not naming a starter. Like, really, you're going to, because he doesn't want to tip his hand to Arizona. Like, hey, why does it matter? Because Arizona, they don't even have film on Rising at all if it is him. And if it's Bentley, it's in a completely different system. And so I think Winningham, he knows what he's doing uh, when he is speaking publicly and with the media. He puts those messages out there on purpose. He He's done this so long, he, he's not saying anything without knowing what he really wants and the intent behind what he's saying. I agree. I think it's motivation because I don't think you're going to, a week out, you're going to tip your hand to the opponent that your defense is lousy. All right, you guys, you, you talked me into it. Uh, we, I think we're going to be lights out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- I think there's still question marks. Don't get me wrong. There are question marks. A- and I don't think that Winningham is flat out lying when he says that. I think that's why he says that, to help motivate his guys, because they need that motivation uh, to, to keep getting better. Well, that but is- I don't think it's, I, I with all these question marks, with all these new guys, I, I don't think it's going to be doom and gloom. Is it going to be as good as last year's? No. That was that was a, a, a top top five, top three defense in the country last year. I, I don't think Utah's anywhere near that this year, but I also don't think that this is gonna be the worst defense we've ever seen or the worst defense in the league by by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, no. I, I think by all means we're still gonna finish in the top half of the league defensively. You know, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna be the bottom of the barrel. We're not gonna be giving up fifty points a game. That's just not gonna happen. There's too much talent. Yes, is it young, but there's still too much highly recruited talent on this defense to to be that bad. It's the question is, is it up to what Utah standards have been? Yeah, I mean there's gonna be growing pains. I mean, you you you've got to expect that. But but at the same time, there's some guys that have been on this team for a few years who are not seeing action and are being beaten out by these younger guys. Bronson Boyd, which why he just entered the transfer portal. So with that being said, these guys, who these young freshmen who are getting, who are number one or number two on the depth chart, they can play football. Exactly, and uh, and and I think again they're going to have their moments, but 
it's kind of a throwaway season. It's a seven-game shortened season. Get your experience. Get these young guys ready. So next year we come out of the gates hot. I think I think that's got to be the goal this year. Yes, you want to win as many games as you can. And heck, yes, the goal is still going to be win the South. Three-peat in the South. Go give yourself another chance to, to, to play in the Rose Bowl and to, to win the Pac-12. But in all honesty, if that doesn't happen, it's get these young guys experience for next year. All right, so that's kind of our thoughts of, of the team on the offense and defensive side of the balls as we as Utah heads into the season opener against Arizona. Uh, we are going to be joined by Rob Bowery next from 12-Pack Radio and Sharp College Football. We got to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Rob. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All righty, join us on the phone now. The one and the only Rob Bowen. Rob, how are you doing? I'm 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 doing well. I'm I'm excited to be here and talk some Pac-12. We are ecstatic. Pac-12 football is just around the corner. So obviously, we had to reach out to our guys over at 12 Pack Radio. You guys do a great job. I always love digging or always love listening to your guys's and. You also run Sharp College Football, all the beta ranking stats you ever need. Go check it out. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here. I get to talk my alma mater, a little Arizona. (laughs) So the first question I've got to start off with, obviously, Khalil Tate, that whole era is over. I mean, he was a, a special talent, kind of a freakish athlete, but it's over. Arizona is now turning to Grant Gunnell as a full-time starter. I know he kind of backed up Tate a lot last year. He he did see a lot of action. But what what is what are Arizona fans expecting out of Gunnell in the offense this year? So, you know, it's it's odd to say. I mean, I think there are there's a non-trivial percentage of the fan base that is still I mean, just incredibly mad that Kevin Sumlin ruined Khalil Tate. I, I think that I, I think that is an, I think Khalil Tate had a, in the same way that like when Pat White went to the NFL, you know, out of Rich or Denard Robinson, you know, like they just, like, if you look at Rich Rod quarterbacks, they're not often a very good fit for literally any other system. And he's often recruited it in guys. I mean, like Tate, like his, his only offer at QB was Arizona and the power five. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I think a lot of people last season and, and you know, it's a lot of the you know sort of uh, more on the ball football, football knowledgeable folks that I talked to around Arizona um, were really actually more disappointed that Gunnell didn't get more snaps um, because the offense was better with him in. Uh, and I think if there is a reason for, you know, a particular reason for hope, I mean, there's other ones around, you know, around the offense, but if there's a particular reason for hope around this offense, you know, coming into this year, it's Gunnell. I mean, he, um, you know, pro football focus had him tabbed as their, you know, biggest potential breakout star. 
um, you know, coming into this season, which is, you know, a heck of a thing to say about somebody that, you know, didn't play a ton of snaps last season. Um, and, and, you know, and, but his, his tape is really good. I mean, he's, he's got some issues that, you know, some footwork issues where he doesn't necessarily, you know, really get his body behind throws. Um, but the decision-making and, and the accuracy are definitely there. Uh, so th- I mean, I, 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 I there are going to, like I said, there are still going to be some fans that are just, they are, uh, they are, you know, team Khalil till they die. Um, you know, and, and, but I, I think a lot of Arizona fans are sort of really ready to, to turn the page um, and, and move on. And Gunnell's just going to, in a lot of ways, is going to be a, a much better fit for this offense. Well, and, and, and uh, we'll kind of stay on the topic here with Gunnell, but uh, as far as playmakers around him, you guys lose JJ Taylor, who was just an absolute stud at running back. Kind of looking over this, uh, you know, Frank Brown, was who was a potential uh, uh, replacement at the running back position. I saw today he's actually out for the season. Um, so so what, is it, what type of playmakers from wideouts and the, in the running back position is Gunnell going to have around him to help produce a, an efficient and explosive offense? No, this is, I would mean, like J.J. Taylor, uh, who's done reasonably well, uh, in his time he's gotten in the NFL, um, you know, with the Patriots, uh, you know, if you have an opportunity to give JJ Taylor the ball, like you definitely should, uh, you know, so the, you know, him being gone definitely hurts. They're they're I don't want to say they're stocked at running back. I mean, this Arizona is Arizona is not a team that has recruited well to say stocked at nearly any position. Uh, <laughs> that said, they do have some players that you like at running back. Um, Gary Brightwell is likely going to get the majority of the snaps. He is very fast. He's a bigger back than Taylor. Uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit of an upright runner, but you know, the, the concern that might hold Brightwell back, and this is actually a, a fairly big concern in the Mazzoni offense where the backs don't often sit in to block, um, is that Brightwell isn't the best route runner. Um, you know, it isn't great with his hands. Uh, you know, Tilford, you know, you might slot him in behind him. Um, Nathan Tilford was a high, you know, was a four-star recruit into Arizona. Never really under, you know, under Rich Rod or under someone hasn't really found his footing. But, you know, a guy that a lot of Arizona fans still like to, you know, think could break out. I mean, Arizona doesn't sign, a, you know, a ton of four stars. So, you know, you kind of look at him and like, you know, you're crossing your fingers that he could maybe break out. Uh, but there's some younger guys in, you know, Bam Smith, Michael Wiley. Um, you know, Jalen John, I, I, I think one of these guys may have opted out. I can't exactly like, there are so many opt outs and it's hard to remember exactly who, but those guys got, I mean, Smith and Wiley both got significant playing time. I mean, not, not a ton of playing time, but they've been in and, and, and played, um, you know, and, and played last season. They are very good out of the backfield as pass catchers. Um, and so I think that, you know, for Arizona in particular, I think that, that, you know, the running back position is, is okay. I, I'm, I'm not. You know, where they ran into trouble running the football last year was was often more about you know the struggles that they had at the offensive line and all the injuries that they had to deal with in the different lineups. Um, but the place where they really have to make the biggest jump, you could argue, I mean, is it is it wide receiver? Um, you know, like they had some guys that were younger last season. It's often tough. I mean, I I know a lot of people think like it's it is in some ways easier to get onto the field in college football the further you are away from the ball. Uh, that said, there is still tremendous gains to be made and actually knowing how to run a college route. So <laughs> the guys that they had last season, a lot of them were pretty inexperienced, you know, 
so the fact that, you know, Jamari Joyner's coming back and, and was, you know, really came on of late, you know, Drew Dixon, you know, um, and then, you know, the name that really for, if you're an Arizona fan that, you know, you, you really hope can and, and sort of maybe has to break out as, you know, Booby Curry, uh, you know, a four-star recruit that came with Gunnell, you know, from uh, St. Pius the 10th in, in Houston. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, he is, if he can turn it on, he had some difficulty finding his way onto the field last season. Didn't play a lot. Uh, you know, so for him, it's, I, I think it is, I don't think it is a, a physical talent thing. I think it is making sure that he has the offense down and, and can execute and get, you know, has the trust of the coaching staff. Yeah, we, we had a booby on our team uh, a couple of years ago, you know, they'll come through for you. He'll, uh, he'll produce. <laughs> uh, but Speaking of wide receivers, you know it's been since 2014 since Arizona's had a thousand yard uh, wideout. With Gannell obviously taking the reins, some of these guys you just mentioned, is there anyone there that's capable of having that type of uh, of season catching the ball? I mean, Joiner in particular, keep an eye on. Um, You know, he was really breaking out late last year. They they used him as a large receiver in the slot. If they keep him there and are, you know, and let's say go with, you know, Dixon and Curry, you know, and, you know, in, in there, um, they are going to be, a, they are going to be tough to match up with because not, te- not, not many teams are going to go, you know, three deep at corner uh, with size, um, you know, they could be able to cover. So Joiner, that's where they tried to use him last year. I mean, I, I do expect, I mean, you know, someone gets a lot of flack. I think, you know, that 2017 season that everyone remembers was the, uh, was a little bit of a mirage for Rich Rod because it was driven so much by Tate's legs and ability to run the football. Um, you know, the, uh, the roster itself was in a lot of trouble when someone took over. I mean, you guys, uh, you may have, I don't know if you've looked at an Arizona roster a couple of years ago, there were, there were, there may have been one receiver over six feet tall, (laughs) you know, like the, the numbers, you know, Rich Rod just recruited, you know, these water bug guys for his system. Um, and, you know, like the, the numbers that uh, at offensive line really and defensive line really weren't there. I mean, I, I, I know someone like there were huge expectations that were just wildly overblown, like, you know, tape making the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, I, I think people underestimate the roster crater that someone inherited. And so if you look now, I mean, the recruiting rankings for Arizona haven't changed dramatically. But if you look at the body types that are on the team, I mean, they are different. And, the, you know, it, it definitely shapes up to look more like a, a power five roster. Uh, that said, like, you know, Arizona is in no danger of, you know, winning four games and competing for the you know South title or anything like that's not. I mean, better is a if for this Arizona squad, maybe, you know, inches instead of feet. Since you brought up coaching, I, I'm curious, has, has the team, I guess two-part question, has the team bought into Sumlin and what he is doing? And and then on the other side of that, has the fan base bought into to Sumlin? I, I think the team has. Um, you know, I think that the, you know, the team is, you know, for the most part now, really, to, if you look across the team, you you have a lot of younger guys on the squad. Um, you know, a lot of guys that were, you know, recruited in by, you know, someone himself, the fact that, you know, Gunnell, you know, the QB is going to, you know, uh, one of, you know, someone's recruits, I think really helps. Um, you know, I think that if you flipped it or, I mean, and also, I mean, I, I think the switch over to a new defensive staff helps. I mean, that first staff that someone put together there was, uh, was like an Island of misfit toys. Um, <laughs> it was just, 
I mean, it's like the, I, I mean, you know, they retained Marcel Yates, even though he had been horrendous the first two years. They brought in a junior college, you know, uh, a junior college coach to coach the defensive line. You know, I mean, they, they were in a spot, of course, because they ended up firing Richrod late um, in the in the cycle. So they ended up, you know, kind of like scrambling to try to put a staff together. But uh, the defensive staff really hurt. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that maybe you'll, you might see more buy-in last year. They, I think that last year that you could, you could definitely say both for the players on the field, on the defensive, t- on the defensive side of the ball, as well as the, um, you know, it, as well as the coaching staff itself, there was a fist fight on the sideline in the Oregon game between some coaches. Uh, you know, it didn't oh, work. Sorry, we missed that. <laughs> yeah, I was at the game and I mean, I mean, like I was actually watching the, watching the play on the field when it happened. Um, but the offensive side of the ball too, I expect there to be less frustration, you know, with Tate gone. I mean, Tate, Tate struggled to get through his reads. He often held the ball, you know, as, as last year, I mean, and really you could say the last two years, he had more, you know, almost as many, you know, 15 yard runs out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage than he had 15 yard <laughs> runs past. I mean, like there were a lot of just like a lot of mental errors that just, you know, weren't going to work. Um, the fan base though, like, I mean, I would say like a lot of the fan base really still, and you you guys know, I mean, like with the explosion of the number of bowls available for college football so that, you know, ESPN has a lot of content in December in a normal year, um, you know, because there's so many bowls, you know, like, I mean, Rich Rod went to a lot, you know, went to a bowl, you know, a couple of years in a row and people, you know, uh, anointed him the greatest coach in Arizona history. And I'm like, guys, like everyone goes to a bowl these days, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's small potatoes. So, um, I think that, uh, I, my hope, like, I don't know, I like someone's maybe not the guy I would have hired. I wouldn't have hired Mazzoni. I certainly wouldn't have hired Yates. Um, that said, I don't think they've been as bad as, you know, a lot of Arizona fans have characterized them. And also, I mean, Arizona's like a lot of athletic departments. I mean, I mean, outside of Texas, I don't know if anybody has buyout money. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so Rob, you kind of brought up kind of those the coaching carousel there on the defense with Yates getting let go, uh, bringing in Paul Rhodes. With that change, the defense is changing right from a four-two to more of a three-four under Rhodes. I know that in the past Arizona's defense has kind of been you know kind of the weaker point of the of their program, uh, especially on that defensive line. But I know they they brought in two transfers this offseason, if I remember correctly. Uh, how do you think that this defense is going to be responding, uh, you know, with a new coaching staff and a new scheme? Yeah, this is, I mean, if there's reason for hope uh, around the defense, there's, you know, two places. One of which is you, Marcel Yates is no longer calling plays. You no longer have, you know, a comedy of errors on the coaching staff. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the transfers in and the fact that there's, I mean, there's honest to goodness depth on the defensive line, which is almost unbelievable to say, given where Arizona had been. Um, now the transfers in, like, you're not talking about like big names from, you know, um, you know, like, you know, it's not like somebody's transferring in from like Alabama or something like that. Like, uh, you know, Ray Lopez is coming in from New Mexico state. Aaron Blackwell is coming in from New Mexico. Uh, however, they, like, you know, Blackwell, um, you know, from the, the year he wasn't injured was pro football Focus's highest rated returner coming back to New Mexico's defense. And, you know, Ray Lopez, people love him at pro football focus. He's just a guy that seemed to slip under the radar. He is incredibly strong. Um, and that for, 
I mean, Arizona's, I mean, Arizona's defensive line has just been comical. I mean, I was like, this is just, I mean, like can't stop the run, doesn't get pressure on the passer. Um, you know, and this has been a problem for years and, and they, you know, at times they were able to make up for it with, you know, like with Scooby, right? Like somebody blitzing out of the linebacker position, but, uh, you know, Lopez in this three, four, what's, what's going to be critical. Anytime you go to a three man front, like you're, you're almost, you're almost absolutely, you're, you're absolutely going to have to have somebody that can play two gap. Uh, and I think Lopez and Blackwell can as well. I mean, Trevin Mason is also back and he had a pretty good year last year too. Um, so that I, I have a little more confidence in Arizona's ability, you know, with the three man front to, you know, at least be able to control, you know, their gaps, um, to, to some extent. Right. I mean, <laughs> again, like we're not talking about like, you know, five-star transfers in for Bama, um, but should be better than last year. Uh, and that on its own might make, you know, it, it would be better of course, if, um, you know, schooler and fields hadn't transferred out. Uh, but that said, you know, like I, I, I expected Arizona's linebacking core should be able to be uh, a little cleaner, you know, like have fewer guys coming off, block them off the line, um, than they have, but you know, they're still going to rely on, you know, like Jalen Harris in particular, I think you could almost think of him as a stud, um, you know, you know, who's going to rush the passer most of the times that he's in. Cause they're, they're, they're going to need to bring four a lot of the time. So let, let's fast forward to Saturday. I, you know, looking looking over uh, both these programs, I mean, I think we're going to be in for an offensive fest. Obviously, Utah returns quite a bit offensively, and that's going to be the strength of the team this year, which I know that's strange to Pac-12 fans that the strength of Utah's team could actually be the offense. <laughs> but the defense only returns two starters from last year a lot of youth a lot of a lot of freshmen um inexperience especially in the secondary for utah so my question is does does Gunnell have 60 pass attempts on saturday or 80 <laughs> oh man i mean if he has i mean i feel like if he throws that much arizona actually might be in a lot of trouble i mean they might be down a lot um cuz they still do i mean like you know, I think for Arizona to be successful, they need to get the zone run, you know, they're, they're a zone run team. Um, you know, they need to be able to get the zone running game going again. And last year they struggled with that. Um, you know, so that, that, I mean, is going to be interesting to me. Well, like, cause Utah, you know, in their four man front, they have, uh, they have less, like there was, there was somebody off, like, was it Peter Tonga that was not listed on the depth chart today? Yeah. Um, kind of surprised us. Yeah. And then the backup, I mean, the backup at one of your defensive tackle positions is a convert. I mean, it's like, it, it is looking at like, all of a sudden you're looking at Utah and you're like, wait, Utah doesn't have as much depth at the defensive line as I thought. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> but I mean, I, I actually, a lot of Arizona fans were bummed to get Arizona, Utah in the first game. And I thought, well, you're probably going to lose to Utah anyway, but I'd rather play Utah early than late. Um, you know, like yeah. I would rather get, I would, I would rather get my shot at Utah given how much they have to replace early. Uh, so for, yeah, for Arizona, I mean, like I expect, I mean, Utah's defense, it, there's just so much to replace. I think it would be unreasonable to not expect them to take at least some step back off from where they were last season. Um, that's not to say that I don't expect them to improve over the year. Uh, I do. Uh, but it could be interesting tomorrow. I mean, like Arizona, you know, if they are, you know, they, they should feel, you know, like it, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to put up enough points to win, but 
they, they, you know, they, they should be disappointed if they are, if they really struggle to move the ball altogether. Uh, I think, cause I, I do think that Arizona returns enough offensively, uh, you know, in particular with, you know, like, you know, having a really healthy offensive line, you know, with some actual depth back there too. Uh, that I, I think that they should feel good. So like, if I, if I'm a Utah fan, like what I would want to be, what I would want to watch there is like, you know, is Arizona able to get inside or outside zone working at all, um, you know, against Utah. Uh, and then really too, then it's, you know, like if, if they are, you know, then, then, you know, then Arizona might actually put up some, you know, some significant points if they can run the ball. Um, but, you know, for, you know, how, how do they, you know, how does Utah deal in coverage with, you know, Joyner, um, you know, if he's playing, you know, if they play him, you know, with a big player in the slot uh, and then how do they, you know, Utah's line, your linebackers are often asked to do a lot, um, you know, and uh, you guys are a green dog team. So if, you know, if that back doesn't go out in a, on a route, you know, that backer's got to come in on a blitz. Um, but it is making sure that they don't get caught on a backer on the running back with a late release. Right. And like Utah's linebackers have been really good at that, uh, the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm interested to see, I mean, and you guys like the corner, I mean, the, the secondary you guys lost last year is phenomenal. Um, you yeah. know, I just like, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to replace all that. Right. And what, what are the, what do their like mileage may vary anytime you have brand new players in. Yeah, I mean a, a ton of experience. I mean the 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 secondary last year was was insane with just how productive they were, and obviously you know what what they're doing in the NFL now kind of shows that. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, as as you fans, we're, we're kind of wondering what we're going to what we're going to see from uh, from this uh, secondary come come Saturday because you listen to Kyle Whittingham and some of the things that he has to say. And you kind of you're trying to piece together exactly uh, how this how this defense and and especially the secondary is going to look, and that's what that's why I bring up. I think Gunnell's going to have sixty pass attempts because I think I think they're going to look at that secondary and they're going to test it time and time again. And if I mean he's like I mean you know with him, just keep an eye on. I mean his he does get through his reads, right? I mean, so if he has time, if Arizona's line is able to, to buy him time, um, you know, and, and Arizona more often than not, they don't really send the, they, they leave the tight end instead of the back end as a blocker uh, a lot of times. Um, but if they're able to, if they're able to move the ball and he's, you know, he's able to get through his reads and Utah's struggling a little, I mean, I think of last year, even um, I was driving back from Cincinnati. I went and watched Cincinnati and UCLA play in Cincinnati. And I'm driving back and listening to the BYU Utah game on the radio. Um, and I thought Utah did a great job with like second half, first half, second half adjustments, right? Like Zach Wilson was kind of picking them apart a little bit under, um, in that first half, uh, you know, like Goodell, I, you know, like that's what the very experienced secondary, right? Like, I mean, I, I, they're going to like, you know, how well do you make adjustments with young guys in there? Right. Like how well do they respond to that kind of in-game coaching? And, um, but I mean, I really like, I, I think you guys have a great defensive staff. Like I, I, I don't think Utah is suddenly going to drop off the map and have like a bad defense or anything. So, um, you know, for it, it's also, it's also, you know, with every, with all the hype around Gunnell, like he's still going to be like a, really, this is his first time as the true starter. Um, so in, and Utah is, you guys are good at, at generating pressure usually. So that's, I mean, but that's also true. Like, I mean, you guys are replacing an eye, you know, like, you know, a lot of those defensive linemen, this is like, I mean, generating, like, 
I guess my question maybe on this is, is Utah able to generate pressure with four uh, very often? Because uh, last year they, they could a lot of times. I don't know. That, that, that to me also like is, is like sort of a sneaky key to the game because if Utah has to bring more uh, to bear than, you know, um, Gannell, like, like they, they, they will have some quick outs that, that like he was always able to take, was never, ever, ever able to find his check down or his hot read. And so like Gannell will, uh, which, you know, uh, will open things up. Rob, we can't thank you enough. Again, taking time out of your night, joining with us. Can you just kind of break down for our listeners all about 12 pack radio and especially what you're doing over with the uh, sharp college football? Yeah. So at, at 12 pack, it's uh Bryant, um, you know, uh, Conger, myself, uh, and then, um, Max Meyer, uh, Max Meyer is formerly of sports illustrated. He's now with William Hill. Uh, and we, you know, we try to cover the PAC 12, uh, and we have very different perspectives, I guess you could say. I mean, my, uh, my, I'm a data scientist by profession. Um, I got bored at a job that I had at the New York times and created beta rank after looking at ESPN's FBI and saying like, I, I could do better than this. <laughs> so I have, a, you know, we have, uh, we cover the PAC 12 from advanced stats as well as like Max Myers experience, uh, you know, covering gambling at sports illustrated and now William Hill, um, you know, and really setting lines. And, and um, yeah, I think we, I mean, I, 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 I think we do a, a really good job staying on top of the conference um, as well as, you know, we don't give um, we don't give back rubs, I guess you could say, like, we're not going to, um, there are some Cal fans that are not very happy with us right now for not being madly in love with the bears. Um, who is, and then I know, well, I are, mean, are bear fans happy with the bears? <laughs> oh, I mean, like there, there's that like crazy CBS prediction that had them like at 11 and one. And like when he, like there, a lot of people had them picked at, like did pick them to win the North. Um, I, I, I did not, I don't see it, but, um, and then at sharp college football, I mean, it is, uh, I run an advanced stats model. I buy data from the same folks that, you know, provide data to the college football playoff committee. Um, and then run it through, you know, uh, a couple of, uh, you know, Bayesian hierarchical models. Um, you know, if you want to dork out and talk about that, you can, you know, uh, hit me on, hit me on uh, Twitter about that. Um, uh, but I have, you know, uh, ratings for every team. Uh, you know, you can look out, you can go in and look up at any matchup. Uh, we've also started a, um, uh, a video, you know, uh, some videos for sharp college football. And I do a weekly uh, show on Saturday mornings called the Saturday six, where I break down six games from an advanced stats perspective. Um, and I try to do it quick. I try to do three minutes per game. I set a timer. I, I don't think I've ever made it, but I set a timer. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, tune in, check us out. Uh, you know, it's at sharpcollegefootball.com. I'm at beta rank, uh, FB on Twitter and, uh, it's 12 pack radio on Twitter. Rob, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. All right. Big thanks to Rob taking time out of his night uh, to chat with us. We'll quickly kind of break down uh, what he had to say and we'll get into our season picks and our, our breakout players. And we'll take a quick time out. So I thought Rob had really interesting things to say. I'm really interested in to see what Arizona does defensively with the turnover on their staff defensively. Does that help Utah's offense? Because according to Winningham, they're they're running really really well, and to go against a defense that's still trying to learn out, trying to learn their new scheme, their new coaching staff, 
it could bode very well for Utah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's early, right? Getting a uh, a new defense in the first game after kind of a weird offseason is probably best case scenario. But I but I think Paul Rhodes, I mean, he's a, got a proven track record. He He's a guy that's going to come in and he's going to fix and, and strengthen that defense for Arizona because they, they, they were pretty bad. You, you look across the board statistically at them last year, how many points they gave up week in and week out, and it, it was rough. It was rough defensively. So I, I think you're going to see improvement, but game one, the question is how much? Yeah, when I think pick six previews uh, with Brett Sancia, I think he said they were the second to last or the last behind P5 Kansas. defense. Uh, so only, only way up for the Bear Down Wildcats. So because this is our kickoff to the season episode, we've done this every year. We go through, we pick some breakout players, we do a prediction for the season. So let's start off with our breakout players for offense and defense. And we know Ryan doesn't like to play by the rules. He likes to pick guys that have already been listed to a, a all Pac-12 team the season before. Or on All-American lists. So the rule is for a breakout player... I'm, they I'm cannot have already this year. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> they cannot already have been a breakout player in a watch list, a all honors list. Uh, what else, Scott? What, I mean, we need to have this down for Ryan. You're basically saying it's got to be a no name, no one, a name no one is familiar with. Not, not even a, a common name on Twitter. You know, let's let's go. Let's scratch the bottom. Let's let's find a guy that'll rise to the top. A diamond in the rough, if you will. <laughs> so you got it, right? You got it this year. No, it. Marcus I'm Williams. All over it. All right. I think I, th- I think Ryan should go first because I'm I'm anxious to see these. Well, then you know he'll probably just pick one of ours that we say. So, Ryan, we're going to make you go first on offense. Who's your breakout player? My breakout player on offense, he's going to be a star. And we're going to see him in action early. Running back, Ty Jordan. Boom. I like it. Boom. I True freshman. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'll tell you that you could teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> No, that's that's a good one. I, he is I, a guy that's getting a Winningham calls him out a lot. He does. He's 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 gotten a lot of pub. And Winningham said, I think as early as today, that all four running backs are gonna see some game action until one of them separates them, or one or two of them separate themselves. Yeah, no, this is this is a big time big time kid who uh, was a late flip from Texas, and Utah held off from the likes of Oklahoma to keep him. So that ought to tell you right there of what uh, what people thought of him. Great offer list. Yeah, I think he's going to be a stud. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Scott, where are you going? I'm going I'm I'm uh, I'm going to the wide receiver group. I'm going to Dalla Dalla Bills, y'all. Money Parks. I think money. Yeah, obviously wide receiver position got a little thinner. With the departure of um, Jalen Dixon, and uh, so Money Parks is thrust into uh, into that uh, that opening, and I I like him. He was a big time kid out of Texas as well, and uh, was committed to Utah for for over a year. And Utah held on to him, 
and uh, I'm I'm excited. I I think he's I think he's got a lot of potential. He kind of reminds me of a Jeremy Brooks type player. If you remember Jeremy mm-hmm. Brooks from the Mountain West days, absolute stud kind of slot guy. I I think I think that's what you're going to get. Uh, he was fun to and watch. beyond with Money Parks. That's where I'm going. I'm actually surprised that Money Parks isn't on you know, either kickoff return or punt return. I I am a little bit surprised by that as well. But well, I like you got to beat out Brittany Covey to get on punt return, and that's pretty hard to do. I like that pick. I like where you guys are going with. Uh, I'm going with Devon Vele. Another wide former out. Former walk-on. Again, the departure of Jalen Dixon kind of helps these younger guys get some reps that maybe they, they wouldn't have gotten. His redshirt freshman. A lot, of, a lot of talk before he got injured last year about how good he can be. All right, so let's go over to the de- defensive side of the ball for our breakout players. I'm going to call it right now, Clark Phillips, Nate Ritchie off the table. What? I, I They're already... Yeah, they're, they're already named brands. They're already named brands. They are already getting... I mean, you have Clark Phillips, the highest rated recruit ever signed with Utah. So they're already in their own, my, in their own ways breakout players. So they're off the table. All right, Ray? All right, fine. Scott, we'll we'll kick it over to you first. Who do you got for your breakout player on defense? Breakout player, I'm going to the young secondary. And uh, a gentleman, a sophomore, so he's not a freshman. But uh, really, we really haven't seen him. A young guy by the name of Malone Mattaele. Nickelback, um, I like him. I like him. I like him when we got him. Obviously, last year he did just get a little spot duty here, here and there, um, some special team reps. But this year he's he's gonna jump in, and and he's he's right now penciled as the starter at Nickelback with uh, Clark Phillips backing him up. But that's where I'm going. I think I think he's gonna be a breakout star, filling in for the departure of of Javelin Gidry, or as Cam puts it, Javelin Gertie. Never said that, right? What do you got? I'm going to the D line on this one. I think we're going to see a lot of playing time and some and some playmaking ability from the true freshman Van Fillinger. I mean, dude, as a true freshman, 18 years old, 6'4", 255. That's unreal. He's and, and he's ripped. Like if you look oh, at his yeah. arms, he's a big he's dude. De- he's defined. He's what the ladies would call very nice. <laughs> I mean, 6'4", 255, and he's and and again, Whittingham has said some things about him, and you know, he, we're going to obviously see see him making some plays, uh, not only this year but down the road. So I'm excited to watch him play. Cam, you're you're keeping a record of this, aren't you? Of course, because I, you know, I am the reigning. Champion of this last year with my pick. Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd. No, I like where you guys are going with it. My breakout player, Blake Keithy. Love it. Cam stole that one from me. I I didn't steal it from Scott. I I love it. I hope he stays healthy. Yes. The thing that I love about Blake is he was the guy that caught the Utah staff's eye when he was in high school. They were going after him. Before they started going after Brandt. Brent was just a throw-in. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Brent. 
<laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, Blake, I mean, every all the attention's on Brent right now, and obviously right, rightfully so, but Blake has just not been able to get healthy, and then the dude has been through a lot, and so him getting healthy... Man, I I would love nothing more than to see him uh, be a be a force on the D line. So those are breakout players. You know, we'd love to hear what your who your breakout players are. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. All right, let's go over our picks for the Utah season. First up, Utah plays Arizona. I'm gonna go. Utah gets a win on that one. Scott W. Right W. The following week, Utah's at UCLA on a Friday night. I'm going to go a win for Utah, Ryan. A win for the Utes. And Scott? 2-0, baby. 2-0 across the board, and then Utah hosts USC Trojans. Scott, we'll go over to you first. Who do you got? Big game. Crucial game. We've got a winning streak against USC at Rice Echo Stadium. Huge game. Last Last season looms large with what they did to us. I'm going to go... USC. First loss for the Utes for Ryan or for Scott. Ryan, where are you going? I agree. It is a big game. And it could with the shortened season, it could be the deciding factor in who wins the South. But I think with the offense that USC brings back and the lack of experience Utah has in the secondary, I think it goes to SC. Uh, for all those same reasons, I think USC does get that win, unfortunately. So we all have Utah at two and one, uh going up against Kind of a bitter rival right now in ASU. Right? Who do you got on that one? It is a bitter rival. Um, but I, I think I think Utah gets that one, even though it's away. Scott? Ah, uh, this is a tough one because we have not had a ton of success at Arizona State. And uh But I just don't see I don't see us losing two in a row. So I'm going I'm going Utes. I'll go with Utes as well. I think ASU, uh, and we talked about it last time on the podcast, they still have a lot of question marks offensively. Uh, a very talented quarterback who I, who I still think needs to live up to potential, so we'll see how that goes. But replacing you know Benjamin I think is huge for them, and, and replacing Brandon Ayuk. Next, Utah faces their crossover game with the North against Oregon State Beavers. I got Utah and the win on that one, right? Uh, w against the Beavs. Scott? Beavs down. All right, so we all have Utah at five, all right, no, four. Four and one. We'll have Utah at four and one going into their last South Division game at Colorado. Scott, who do you got in that one? We don't lose to our rivals. Go Utes. Right? Go Utes. I mean, Colorado, it's obviously down. New coaching staff, uh, yeah, that's that's a no-brainer in my book. I think this one is a trap game for Utah, and I think the Buffs pull it out. Oh, my gosh. New quarterback, new coach? I'm just joking. There's no way Utah loses that one. Uh, so we all have Utah going 5-1 and one in their six games, and obviously they have another game. Will it be the Pac-12 championship game or uh, another crossover game with the North? Okay, real quick question. While we're on it, five and one, does that get Utah into the South? Well, we all picked USC. We were going to lose to USC, so the only way that can happen is if Arizona State beats SC in opening next or this coming Saturday at nine a.m. Central Time, or excuse me, nine a.m. Pacific. 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 
Is that what it's not? Is that what it's no, called? It's, Pacific time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're in Pacific time. So so we're all we're wake all, up bright and early. That's we're a big all game. Fork fans this Saturday. <laughs> Alrighty, and before we close this episode out like we do every episode, go ahead and pick the Pac-12 games for this week. First game up is ASU's traveling to L.A. to play the Trojans. USC is a 10.5 point favorite against the Devils. We just talked about it. This is huge for the South Division. Uh, I'll kick us off. I think the Trojans are victorious over there. Scott, who do you got? Man, coming out of the gates... Big game. Um, I think USC probably gets this game, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing an ASU upset because that's gonna. I think that I think that bodes well for the Utes. But I'll go. I'll go USC here. Ryan, who do you got? Yeah, like we just said, I think uh, it bodes. It would be great if ASU could pull that out. I think USC gets it done. But really, I, I mean, I don't know that either school will be awake for that kickoff. Uh, next game, UCLA Bruins are traveling to Boulder to play the Colorado Buffs. UCLA is a six and a half point favorite right now, and I think they beat the Buffs. Scott, who do you got? Yeah, I'm gonna go UCLA on that. I think I think uh, I think they win easily. Right? Yeah, go with the Bruins. I mean, both those teams weren't very good last year, but definitely go Bruins. The next game, Stanford's going to Eugene to play the Ducks. Oregon's eleven and a half point favorite right now. I thought that was a little low. Uh, I think Oregon wins by way more than eleven points. I ain't got the Ducks. Scott, believe it or not, I'm going Cardinal. You got the trees. I think. I think they bring. I think they bring a little chaos to the Pac-12 right out of the gates, I th- and I think they surprise Oregon. Scott's going with the trees. Ryan, where are you going? And Scott's found a new toy, apparently. <laughs> um, I don't know. Oregon breaking in a brand new quarterback. Uh, I'm going to take a flyer and go with Stanford as well. Oh, wow. And this is where I take my lead as the reigning champion of our Pac-12 pick games. The next game we're looking at is Washington State. It's going to Oregon State. Washington State's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Brand new coaching staff up there. Uh, I'm kind of torn. I'll go with the Beavers. Yeah, I was, with so much unknown up at Washington State, I'm not ready to go there quite yet. So uh, Oregon State, you know, they're uh, they're kind of a team on the rise. I really like their coaching staff. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Beavs. Right. I will go with the Beavers as well. Next game, Washington's traveling to Cal. Washington, a two and a half point favorite. Mark it down. Cal will win that game. Cal kind of owns Washington. The pick is in, and it's the dogs. Woof, woof. Right? I'm going to go Washington. All right. The last game we're looking at is Arizona's traveling to Salt Lake to play the Utes. Utah's a 14 and a half point favorite because it's Utah. We picked the score as well. So I got Utah winning this one. 42 to 28. Ooh, okay, that's interesting. It's let's 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 remember it is going to be cold and wet at Rice Eccles Stadium on Saturday. And the reason it's going to be wet is because we're finally getting a Utah game. So of course it's going to rain. 
I'm gonna go. I, I think we're gonna put up points, but uh, with those with those conditions, it could make things a little bit interesting. So I'm gonna go uh, 35 to 17 Utes. Right. What's your score? I, I'm with you, Cameron, on points for Utah. I'm gonna go 42 as well, but I think uh, I think the defense. Go with the shutout. Go with the shutout. <laughs> I should, shouldn't I? No, I'm going to go 42 to 21. All righty, that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's drum, the letter N, feather. And Scott? Well, you won't find me at Rice Eccles on Saturday, dang it. But I'll be on Twitter. You can find me at Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, at our home at utahmanpodcast.com, and anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and on Amazon. And hopefully Utah gets a big win over Arizona to kick off the season right, and go you. Go, Nuchu. We'll be till I die, Kai. Well, good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.